following sermon was recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. Everybody was wondering what I'm going to preach on next. That's the big question. What's next? Uh, That's why I like preaching on long books. I only have to decide like once every two years. Uh, I decided to do Galatians. And uh, coming out of Leviticus, uh, I thought it would be a good balance. Uh, Leviticus is important. It's God's word and certainly uh, critical for our life and faith. But it's really easy to misunderstand and misapply the Old Testament. And so um, Galatians is kind of the balance to that. Uh, the, the things we saw in, in, in Leviticus point to Jesus, and they foreshadow Jesus' life and ministry. But uh, we're not to copy those things. So um, Jesus, uh, in, in, in his work on the cross, has in every way... Um, made obsolete much of the Old Testament law uh, in fulfilling it. So Galatians helps us uh, balance that out. So we're going to look at Galatians. And um, and it's also just a very practical book uh, for life and faith. And the, you know, one of the most uh, troubling things I've heard recently, a couple of years ago, if you were here uh, at our graduation Sunday when we honor the graduates, which by, graduates, which, by the way, is coming up soon, I think May 19th or something, um, Lana shared that uh, seniors, graduating seniors, who uh, graduate from Christian schools, so not just Christian kids who graduate from just any school, but Christian kids who graduate from a Christian school, that right now the statistics, and I think this is in America, I'm not sure exactly where, but the statistic was that only one in four of those kids will continue walking with Christ. Only one in four. of those kids will abandon their faith and walk away from God. And I don't think uh, the community here is is completely exempt from that. And uh, you kind of wonder, how in the world is that possible? How is it that kids that grow up in a Christian home, who from the time they're born are hearing the Bible taught, hearing God's word, are um, surrounded by Christian influence, and even go to a Christian school. How is it possible that they could, um, when they graduate from high school, just walk away from it all? And uh, certainly some of you who have older children may have experienced that. And you know, we pray for those kids and praise God that God's grace is always available. And sometimes people have to go through a very difficult journey. Um, but, it, but it raises questions about how is it that can, people who have seemingly receive Christ, seemingly come under the teaching of the word and, and grabbed hold of it, how can they lose it so easily? And that's uh, what Paul talks about here in Galatians. Let's read um, these first few verses, verses 1 through 10. And, um, and that's, that's Paul's warning to the Galatians, as we'll see. Let's read together, or read as I follow as I read, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. 
I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ, Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But if, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For I am now uh, seeking the approval of man or of God. Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Um, that's Paul's warning to the Galatians. He says, I preach you, we preach you the good news. How could you so quickly and so easily turn away from the gospel and turn to what he calls a different, a false gospel? There's a lot of reasons, and I don't want to this morning try to claim that there's one simple answer why people turn away from the gospel, why students, when they graduate, turn away from the gospel. Uh, I think the problems are many, and I don't want to claim to have all the answers. But, but here, Paul talks about one. One important problem or reason why um, people are drawn to a different gospel. Uh, and I think what's important as we look at this and as we kind of unpack some of this this morning is that probably the greatest danger our kids face is not often as we think. It's not God-haters. It's not atheists. It's not some professor in college who's going to you know, convince them that uh, there's no such thing as miracles and it's all about evolution or something like that. Uh, those can be risks. But that's probably not the most serious threat to the gospel. Perhaps the most serious threat to the gospel is actually from so-called Christians, people who claim to know the Bible and follow Christ, but who have twisted and distorted the gospel into something it's not. Okay? Uh, most of our kids are, are aware of, like, all out, or most of us are aware of all out heresy. And if some were to stand up and say something ridiculous, you know, Jesus married Mary, or, you know, all the stupid things that are out there, they're just off the wall heresy. We would be like, no, that's not true. But what's far more dangerous is, is, is so called Christians, pastors, teachers who are respected, who twist the gospel just a little. Just a little. But in so doing, Paul says, they change it into something false. Right? So let's, let's see how that can be done and uh, how it was being done in Paul's day and more importantly, uh, how we can be aware of how that can happen right around us. And I really do believe that's one of the reasons that kids, and not only children, but as we work with people who get drawn off away from Christ, uh, this is one of the core issues. So they don't understand the true gospel and it gets twisted and they misunderstand the gospel and they are led astray, Paul says. So let's look at, first of all, what is this different gospel? We're going to kind of jump down. We'll come back to the intro, the, his greeting, in a minute. But first I want to jump down to verse 6, where he says, I'm astonished, I'm blown away that you could so quickly lose it, so quickly deserting him who called you to the grace of Christ and turn to a different gospel. He says, not there is one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Um, so what is this different gospel? 
Well, it's not a gospel that is, uh, and, and this is a situation in Galatians, and this was a problem for Paul uh, all of his earthly life, and it happened very early. And of course, the Christianity first was born uh, in Jerusalem among disciples of Jesus who were all, what? Jewish, right? Jewish followers of Jesus. And uh, the first crowd, the first Jerusalem, the first hub of people who came to Christ were Jewish converts. Right? Now, this was kind of a problem, because if they had come from some pagan religion, they'd come from, say, Buddhism, right? Buddhism has no roots, no connection with Jesus, but Jesus was himself what? A Jewish rabbi. Jesus himself fulfilled the law. Jesus worshipped in the temple. Jesus fulfilled all the things that were required. And he wasn't, in many ways, distinctly different from Old Testament Judaism on the surface. Right? And so a lot of the early Christians were, were confused, who came out of Judaism, were confused about the role of the law and the role of all their Jewish customs and, and Jesus. Right? And then it, along comes Paul, and we'll see in a minute, in a lot of the book, first couple of chapters, Paul is proving his, his apostleship, that he has a right to proclaim this message uniquely and authoritatively as God's truth. Um, and he makes it very clear that Jesus changed and the gospel changed things radically. And that, that Jesus alone is sufficient for salvation. But for a lot of the Jewish people, this was, this was kind of a problem. And because for them, they were Jewish Christians. Right? They were Christians who still considered themselves Jews, who in many ways still followed many of the laws. And um, so when, when, when the gospel started going to Gentiles, it creates all, created all kinds of problems and questions. And, and the questions were, well, do they need to be Jews or not? And of course, the Old Testament, I mean, the whole thing, God's chosen people, children of Abraham, and it kind of made sense. Well, sure they need to become Jews, right? That's God's people. That's God's program is, is Israel. And so... Yeah, sure, Jesus is good, and Jesus is the way. He makes it easier to become a good Jew, good Israelite, good follower, son, child of Abraham. But salvation is ultimately in Israel, not just in Jesus. Right? And so they were going around teaching this, and they were teaching that, yeah, Jesus is good, you need Jesus, you need the cross, he forgives your sins. But after that, that's just like phase one. Right? Then you've got phase two. And phase two is how to become a good Jew. And so you've got to get circumcised and you've got, to, you've got to do all these all these rules and rituals and customs and we've got to teach you about holy days and special days and festivals and all these traditions. Right? And Paul says that, that those people are preaching a different message. He says they are distorting, they are changing the gospel message into something that is actually not the gospel. They have added to it in a way that makes it no longer... Uh, effective and no longer saving. So ultimately what, what Paul is saying here is he says, uh, no longer was the work of Jesus everything. Instead, it was now only one thing among many things that were required to be saved. And Paul said, that's not the gospel. That is not the true, authentic, God-breathed gospel. If Jesus is not everything, it's not the gospel. And that's exactly what had happened here. Uh, and notice what he says. He says they're not just turning away from theology. He's not saying, you know, well, you just got really messed up theology and I've got to straighten out your doctrine so you have a really good doctrinal statement. 
I believe I love theology. I've I, I got to be careful making fun of theology because I think theology is super important, okay? But it's more than that. There's more at stake here than just that, well, you've got a bad doctrinal statement. You're just, it's more than that. Notice what he says. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you. The problem wasn't just on what they believed. It wasn't just the information that they got it wrong. He says, when you don't have the right gospel, in the end, you were turning away from the one who called you, which was God himself. God, he says, was the one who called them and saved them. God was the one who called Paul to be an apostle. And he said, God is the one who's called you to this message. God's the one who's called you to salvation and to belief. And you have turned away, not just from the message, but you've turned away from God. So what's at stake here is people's eternal souls. Uh, They're giving up on their relationship with God. And Paul is saying, you're you're at risk of losing your very salvation. It's very interesting. In in most of Paul's letters, he addresses uh, his, his audience Paul, an apostle, blah, 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 to the church at so-and-so, saints. He doesn't call them that. Right? He's not confident or convinced that they're saved, that they have salvation secure and anchored in Christ because they have changed the gospel. Um, and he says, he says that this, you deserted him who called you into the grace of Christ. And, and Paul, in, in, in a few words, just makes it super clear what he's talking about here. That the gospel he's talking about is primarily and supremely a gospel of grace. Right? Grace is God's undeserved, key word there, undeserved, unmerited, free gift. In other words, a gift is a gift, right? A gift is not something like, like, like Santa Claus kind of is a ripoff, Right? Because it's like, well, if you're naughty, you don't get a gift, but if you're nice, I'll give you a gift. Okay, that's merited favor. Santa is not about grace. Boo, Santa. Um, Grace means it's undeserved. You're naughty, but I'm giving you the gift anyway. Because of my love for you, because it's it's my purpose in the world to redeem lost sinners not good people. Right? Uh, and that goes like for the Jewish people, and, and, and Paul kind of gets this into us, even the sin of our good works. Right? A lot of people's biggest hang-up is not the things they do wrong, it's all the things they do right and think it earns them God's salvation. And that's what he's talking about here. He says, you, you're turning away from the God who called you into the grace of Christ, the grace that comes through his gift, what he did for us on the cross. Um, so, 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 so they're 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 in serious trouble here, and and unlike any of his other letters, I mean, he kind of goes for the throat. There's no like normally what he would start off with is after his little greeting, he would say, "I'm so thankful for you for your love and faith and blah blah blah." Because of that, I pray for you always. No, he starts off with, "What in the world is wrong with you people?" Right? No, this is like he's going at it, right? Because it is serious. It is serious. The message of the gospel is life and death. And, and, and I think um, you know, we're, we're missing it sometimes because we, we, we've lost the gospel in a lot of other good and important things. And our kids are confused and our disciples are confused about what, 
what's at the heart of what we believe. And Paul says, it is the gospel. Um, now, because uh, we're talking about the gospel, uh, he doesn't explain it so much here other than to that one phrase, the, into the grace of Christ. But I want to go back, because in the greeting, uh, even in his greeting, his greeting is a very gospel-centered greeting. Right? And in, in, this God, in this letter, more so than normal, because he knows where he's going, he knows what the problem is. So right off at the very beginning, in his very hello, he clearly spells out what the gospel is. So let's go back and look at it briefly. And I'm just going to cover this quickly for sake of time. But he says, Paul, an apostle, not but for men or through men, but through Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about this more next week, how, uh, why his apostleship is so important and where it came from. To all the brothers who are with me, uh, uh, through, the, through Jesus Christ, God the Father, who raised him from the dead. Okay, so he's, he's hitting on gospel themes, even just getting warm, warmed up. Jesus' resurrection, we'll see in a minute, is part of the gospel. The brothers, the church, is, is part of the gospel. But then he goes to the heart of it. He says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. He's talking about grace and peace. And he says, the grace of God, which is his undeserved gift, and the peace, which is the result of his gift, the peace means our life is is right, our life is good. Before, our life was a disaster. But when God's peace comes in, Hebrew word shalom, everything is made right and good and whole. He said, all that is a gift of God that comes because Jesus, the Lord Jesus, the sovereign Lord, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, um, gave himself for our sins. Right, that is the heart of the gospel. Pure and simple. Uh, we have sin. And our life is a mess because we sin. And not only because we sin, but because we are by nature sinners. Right, we cannot help but not sin. It is who we are, uh, apart from Christ. Uh, and Jesus gave himself. He died on the cross to pay for our sins, past, present, and future. And it is our salvation. Right? It is our salvation. Our salvation is in no other but the blood of Jesus. And not only that, but he also says that he, he rescued us to deliver or rescue us from the present evil age. Uh, in Jewish thinking, the present evil age basically went from Adam and Eve until the Messiah came. Uh, of course, they miss the Messiah, right? So for them, it's still the evil age. And for us, it is too, except when we come to Jesus, he immediately and instantly rescues us from this evil age. Uh, and what does he mean by that? Because I'm still here, and there's still sin going on all around me, and sometimes in me. So what does he mean I've been rescued from this evil age? Well, he's, he's, we've been rescued from its bondage and its power and authority over us. Right? The wages of sin is death, and to be captive, held captive to the power of sin over our life. So in, in dying for our sins, he covers our guilt and all the things we've done wrong, the consequences of, of our sin. But he also breaks the power of sin over our life right now. Right, so we go out now and we can live differently, not because I'm a better person, because I can try harder now, um, but because Christ in the cross has broken the power of sin over us the power of this evil age and the power of death. 
And so I now have a power, an ability in Christ, not in myself, to beat sin, to live a different kind of life. I've been rescued from my slavery and bondage to sin. He says in Romans 6, um, uh, and all this is by the will of God the Father, to whom the glory, uh, to whom be glory forever and ever. This was this was God's glorious purpose. Right? Uh, the gospel is God glorifying Himself by doing what seems ridiculous. Right? Who would die and save your enemies? People who hate you, people who have rejected and scorned and despised you. Why would you be nice to them? Why would you show them this kind of love and mercy? Well, God does it ultimately because he's glorified. It demonstrates his incredible richness of love, the immeasurable compassion and grace and forgiveness of God. It's for his glory. And that's the gospel. Jesus gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this this, this evil age, to give us grace and peace in his kingdom, and he has placed us in the body of Christ. And, And the body of Christ, its mission and its focus is the proclamation and living out of this gospel. Right, so the church is not here for us. I mean, it is here for us. It's a support for us. But ultimately, it's where Christ is exalted here on earth, where we live out this kingdom life with other people to the glory of God, and we promote, we proclaim, we lift up this gospel message of Jesus, the way of salvation. And I know it's like, this is, this is like Christianity 101, right? And it's like, yeah, we all know this. Like, like duh, we get this. We're missionaries, right? And yet... Uh, our kids, some of them, and I know some of them, and it just breaks my heart, left this place, left this church, heard this kind of preaching over and over again, and they walked away from Jesus. Right? Why? Right? What's, what's happening that this message is being twisted? Well, well, well Paul speaks of the real threats. He says there are real threats, right? And he identifies a couple of them. The first one is that there are false teachers out there, right? He says not that there's another gospel, but there are some who who trouble you, who are are stirring you up, and want to distort the gospel of Christ. And, And the real threat and the real danger is that if if they only heard the pure teaching of the gospel uh, life would probably be better. But the problem is there are other Christian people out there, missionaries, pastors, uh, youth group leaders, um, people who claim to be solid, God-fearing, God-serving people, and who look the part, who play the part well, uh, who we would trust. But they are twisting the gospel. But they are distorting the message. And our kids are hearing this, and we're not helping them. And maybe we're not even sometimes aware of how that message is being twisted and distorted, how it's being changed. And, and uh, as we change it, it loses its power and it is eroded. And when kids leave, they, they go, well, I don't get it, right? Because it's been changed, it's been twisted. So the first danger are false teachers with self-centered motives. Um, and there are people who are not seeking God's glory. They may, be, they may be successful people. They may have very popular ministries. 
They may be they may write uh, books that are Christian bestsellers, right? But in the end, they are self-serving. Paul says, right? They are they're they're after followers. They're after popularity or success or money or uh, we don't know. But, but Paul says they're not seeking God's glory. They're troublemakers, right? Who have twisted and changed the gospel for their own purpose. But then there's another group. Uh, because some people, I think, have better motives, maybe not the best motives, because I think if, if they really have the glory of God as their number of motive, they're not going to make this mistake. But I think there are some people who, who really do care about the gospel. Uh, but the problem is that they are, they are misguided messengers with man-centered motives. So in other words, they're not so much about their own glory, but this is where they get in trouble. Paul says this, he says, for am I now seeking the approval of man or God? Right? Am I blaming into you guys? Am I, am I going after you because I'm trying to get your approval or God's approval? Am I trying to please man? He says, if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. What does he mean by if I were still trying to please man? Well, I think he's looking back to the days when he persecuted the church before he knew Jesus. And it's an interesting confession because he says, look, back in those days, I was zealous. And in some ways, I was zealous for God. But, or at least it looked that way. But Paul had come to the realization to say, but actually, I was doing it to please people. And I think this is the most dangerous uh, threat to the gospel. And the, and the threat is this, that we want the gospel to be um, liked by lost people. Right? We want people. We want. We want to sell a, a message that sounds better than it uh, than than actually it is. Right? Paul says the gospel is an offense. Jesus said it is a rock of stumbling. Um, nowhere in Scripture does it say people are going to accept this message because they like it. Right? But what people do, and what a lot of I think somewhat good intention preachers and teachers and uh, servants try to do is they want to make the gospel acceptable to lost people. And so they change it so that it sounds cool, so that it's less offensive, so that people will be drawn to it. Uh, because they don't think it's has um, that, that the truth of the gospel by itself is compelling enough. So they twist and they change it and they modify it to make it more attractive to the world. And that, uh, Paul says, changes it into a different gospel. Right? And, and, and notice the consequences. He says, he says that, I said, uh, if anyone, if anyone, if even we um, should come to you, or an angel from heaven should come and preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, that he just talked about in the, in the intro. Let him be cursed. <laughs> wow. Cursed. Accursed. Anathema. It's calling down God's wrath on that person. Right? Let that person fall under God's wrath and judgment as a false teacher. Okay, just to make sure they're not confused, he says, I love what he does. He says, okay, so he says these very strong words. Let that person be cursed by God. 
And he says, and as we said before, he says, this is not the first time I've said this, right? So apparently he had said this to them before. As I said before, and I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary, distorted, twisted, modified to the one you received, let him be cursed. Let him kind of come under the curse of God. Paul's definitely not a guy who's trying to make friends and, and win the approval of people. Right? I curse you. Um, uh, he's not a people pleaser, clearly, right? Uh, and, and, you know, he says this twice. It is a serious, serious deal, right? So not only do we have to be guard others, but here, here's a warning to us. Are we doing this, right? Are we twisting and modifying the gospel in ways to make it more acceptable to Buddhist people. And it's a fine line. You know, there is something about contextualizing the gospel. There is something about putting the gospel in terms that people can understand it and using language and terms and concepts that, that they can relate to in their culture. But we must be super careful that in that process, we are never in the least changing the message that Jesus came to die for sins and we are sinners and we are under God's wrath and the only hope is the blood of Jesus by the will of God the Father to save us and to rescue us from this evil age. Right? Um, so, so let's think about uh, how do we do this, right? How, how do we guard our own thinking and, and our families, those uh, in our schools, those that we work with, our disciples, those who we're mentoring. Uh, how do we guard this gospel? Well, I think there's three, three, three different things that we could talk about to, to, to guard it. Uh, and the first is to watch out for things that get left out of the message. Be really careful. And here's the problem. Um, again, most people who are twisting and distorting the gospel are not teaching all-out heresy. You know, they're not saying, they're not, they're not abandoning all of it. But it can be as simple as just leaving out one key element, right? Um, for example, uh, and, and again, the motive behind this is trying to make uh, the gospel more attractive. And in the world today, especially in the West, I don't know if this is true in Asia, but in the West, uh, people do not like to be told they're sinners anymore, right? Like, you just don't tell people you're a sinner because the battle cry of everybody in the West is tolerance. <laughs> like, you can't tell me my lifestyle is sinful. Uh, my lifestyle is my choice, and you have to just tolerate it, right? And that's kind of the cry of the Western world. And so Christians, you know, feel like if I tell people, yeah, but, you know, the whole thing you're doing there is actually in the Bible called sin. And they find that offensive, so some churches and some pastors and some whole organizations have got around this by saying, well, we're just not going to talk about sin. We're not going to talk about God's wrath. We're not going to talk about judgment. We'll just leave that out. Be quiet about that one, right? And hope they don't ever actually read the Bible because there's like over 600 references to God's wrath in the Old Testament alone, right? So we'll just direct them to, I don't know, First John or something. Well, I think it's in there as well. Well, okay, just skip reading the Bible, right? Because it'll get you in trouble. But let's just talk about God's love. God is love. Now, is God love? Absolutely. Uh, is, is, is God's love evident in the cross? Absolutely. Right? It's super important. But God's wrath is, is actually meaningless without 
wrath and judgment. And here's why. Because these people still have to explain why Jesus died on the cross. And if there's no such thing as sin, judgment, or wrath, then why did Jesus have to die a brutal death on the cross? Well, you know what their answer is? Well, it was, the, it was the extreme example of love. It was just this great metaphor of love. Because like that's the extreme. You know, greater love has no man that he laid down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus did for us, right? Okay, now think about this. Right? This is just how absurd this is. Imagine you want to get married. You found the love of your life. And you go to her and you, you want to express to her the depth of your love. Honey, I, I want... Uh, I want to get engaged. I want to marry you. I want to show you how much I love you. But, you know, marriage is just not enough. And, you know, I could show you my love by caring for you. I could show you my love by serving you and by supporting you and listening to you in a marriage relationship. That would be love. But that's not supreme love. Supreme love is... You've been listening to a sermon recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org.